Now I have to start this segment by apologizing to Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Vaughn, I am so sorry. Our, our producer Greg is off his game. He forgot about Macho Man. Oh, well, you know, I guess I can forgive that once in a while. Oh, I it can't. is an important part of our culture, but. Uh, I know it makes me realize it's Friday. That. No, it, may, what it does for me is I go, oh, it's Friday. That's what I think when I hear it. <laughs> God, I'll be rid of them for two days. That's, that's the best news. No, I'll miss talking to you because there's so much to talk about. Can we start with this uh, Selena Robinson story this morning? Yeah, I'm really sorry about this one. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, this is an incredibly divisive issue. Uh, what's going on in the Middle East? There's well, nothing you can say about it that isn't divisive. She didn't help. We've though. also had, you know, we've had ample evidence of why people need to be careful about this. So, uh, Selena Robinson uh, made a comment that I don't think needs to be repeated. She's apologized for it, and I see the premier has uh, said her comment was wrong and unacceptable. But he has also come out with a statement saying that he uh, thanks her for apologizing relatively promptly. I I guess what else could the premier say? He had twin gaffes on social media himself last weekend. And as far as we can tell, he didn't fire anybody over that. So I guess he had to do it. Um, The only thing I would say is Selena Robinson has been under a lot of pressure, uh, pressure that most of us can't really imagine. Uh, She has been outspoken in her comments about Israel. She is Jewish herself. And, you know, I I mean, I'm pretty sure she regrets this seriously because it didn't help her position or her cause. She's a cabinet minister. And, of course, she's under fire for something else as well, as you know, Simi. Yes, I know. The thing is, Vaughn, you nailed it when you say we know this is a super contentious issue. It has been for months and months and months now. So you would expect a cabinet minister to take more care when talking about such a divisive issue. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I would have expected the premier's office to be carefully vetting David Eby's statements on Holocaust Day to that make too. sure that they didn't accidentally post his statement on sympathy for Muslims over the Quebec attack. So, yeah, exactly. I, I think that's the context for all this. Uh, on the office- other matter, which I think is also being reported and people should be aware of it, uh, Robinson is under fire, and this is as a cabinet minister in charge of post-secondary education. She's under fire from two associations in this company country representing university professors and college instructors for what they say was her inappropriate intervention into the Langara case. So that is the instructor, English instructor at Langara, who uh, celebrated Hamas's attack on Israel, who was investigated, was suspended or went on leave, investigated. Uh, the college forgave her for it or said that she didn't cross the line with her comments. And the next day she was fired because the college said in celebrating her victory in the case, she did cross the line. So that's the context. The minister Robinson is accused of having intervened in that case and gotten her fired. Robinson said that did not happen. Langara made its own decision. Robinson did go on social media and express disappointment that the instructor was reinstated, but she says she did not intervene. 
Again, Hmm. she's the Minister for Advanced Education for our colleges and universities. Um, I happen to agree with her that the colleges and universities have been more forgiving of uh, attacks on Israel than they would be on other subjects. But having said that, as the minister, she has to walk a fine line. I'm not surprised that organizations representing university professors and college instructors are now calling for the premier to fire her. I mean, she needs good relations, uh, especially on the issue of free speech with the universities and colleges. So she's had a very bad week. Yes. And I just think if the shoe were on the other foot, if it had been, you know, if the NDP were the ones saying that another party had done this, I think they would be very loud in, in calling for the same thing. Yeah, but there's, you know, Simi, there's a lot of whataboutism on this too. Like I think people are saying, ah, would the universities have been forgiving of the protesters if they were denouncing rights for indigenous people or disagreeing with Black Lives Matter? I think there's been a lot of crossing the line by pro-Palestinian demonstrators. I don't think the hate laws have been enforced on them the way they would be on someone else, but that's whataboutism. We live in a time when people when their own set of views are under attack, they kind of circle around and say, yeah, well, the other side gets with the, away with right. it worse. And that doesn't settle the problem at all. Well, I have a feeling that's uh, not going to go away today anyway. You're right. No. Very bad week for Selena Robinson. Uh, but let's talk a little bit more about the government in particular. We had Michael McAvoy on yesterday, yes. BC's Information and Privacy Commissioner. And boy, this story, like, let's talk about the state of the freedom of information system in this province. Yeah, I mean, McAvoy is the watchdog on access to information, and he put out a report this week that's as withering and scornful as I've seen from a watchdog. The headline in the report is, the New Democrats have violated their own law on access to information 5,100 times in three years. That's a lot. And the... The worst violator of the law is the office of the premier. So he looked at the last few months under John Horgan and the first few months under David Eby. So we've got two premiers. The law they're violating is the one that says when someone files an application for information, the government has to respond within 30 business days. The response time from the office of the premier in B.C.? 292 days. Now, according to my research on this, there are only 260 business days in a year. So instead of responding within 30 days, David Eby's office and John Horgan's office were delaying up to a year in responding. Uh, McAvoy is just withering on this. He says, look, if the government wants people to obey the laws it passes, it should actually obey those laws itself. And they've not been doing that. It really was shocking reading through this and, and yeah. talking to him about it. Because, and also keep like remembering that David Eby was once the head of the Civil Liberties Association. Yeah. And no, so, he's a lawyer. Right. right. A lawyer needs to be reminded that you have to obey your own laws. And, and we thought this was going to happen, right? When, when Premier John Horgan, no, they brought in that $10 fee, everybody said, this is what's yeah. going to happen. Well, yeah. And of course, that's the other thing. And you talked to McAvoy about this yesterday, and he makes a very good point on that, too, is they brought in a $10 fee and they said, oh, you know, we need this fee because there's way too many frivolous applications. But the good news here is we're bringing in the fee for applications, but 
that's going to make it easier to reduce the wait times for right. responses, right? Well, they've gone in exactly the opposite direction. The NDP's average response time, that's across the whole government, supposed to be 30 days, it's 85 days. That is the worst response time that the commissioner has found in the 13 years he's been auditing response times. And that, of course, goes back to the time when the liberals were in government and the New Democrats were swearing, by God, these liberals are utterly disrespectful of the law. <laughs> we're going to improve this and tighten it up, right? Well, right. Uh, now, I understand Dr. Bonnie Henry had a report come out uh, yesterday and she was talking about safe supply. Yeah, so this was a marathon event yesterday, a very long technical briefing, and then a press conference and the release of several reports, and all very important, and far be for me to criticize the volume of material that was released. But to me, the real significance of this presentation yesterday comes down to one sentence. Diversion is occurring. It is a common occurrence with the safe drug supply. And I want to highlight that, Simi, because I vividly remember the denials last year when Global and other news organizations reported what reporters had been hearing from people in the streets. The safe supply was being diverted to other users or sold and exchanged for more dangerous drugs. It was happening I remember the reports. You do too, I'm yep, sure, Simi. I do. And I remember the denials. Oh, there's no evidence. Exactly. Oh, it's just anecdotal. Oh, you know. The, the problem with the grand experiment in safe supply and decriminalization is that the people in charge won't admit the downside and the flaws. So Dr. Henry admits in a report that, yeah, you talk to the people that are actually on the delivery side of this experiment and what they say is, yeah, there's diversion. And they give you reasons for why. Okay, and now we understand that it, what it is and that it's happening. But again, I, I, it undermines support for this experiment because it confirms that the advocates are not telling us the whole story about what's going on. So I welcome the report. I would note that in spite of all that evidence, that there is diversion. Dr. Henry is saying uh, we should continue with the safe supply. Uh, we should expand the access. Uh, we should continue going down this road. Okay, she gives advice. The government can decide whether or not to accept it. But I think the diversion story is going to make it harder for the government to expand the program, just as the open drug use problem is making it harder for the government to expand access to the program. I also thought it interesting that she thought even calling it by safe supplier, or, you know, is that she recognizing that it's gotten to a point now where the public has, has uh, decided that they kind of don't like it when it sounds that way. Yeah, I mean, they kind of put quote marks around it when they say safe supply. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, but you know a program's in trouble, Simi, when they start talking about changing its name. Well, exactly, too, you know? yes. I, I, you know, again, look, it's only been a year and the government remains committed to what it still calls an experiment. And I can see the argument that it hasn't had time to produce results. One of the things that Dr. Henry again concedes is there isn't enough research 
to show that this is working the way it was intended. Well, that's a good position for the provincial health officer to take. She's waiting for proof and evidence. She's not going to get ahead of it. That's caution. That's welcome. But again, if you're a politician going out there and defending a program that so far hasn't shown results, and in fact, one stat is going in the wrong direction, more people are dying, I think it's going to be very, very hard to persuade this government to go any further on this until they've got some data showing that what they did is working. And so far, the data just isn't there to be persuasive. You'd think that after a year, they'd be able to point to something. Yeah, I mean, they point to a few things. You know, some of it is like, okay, well, we're not arresting as many people. That's true. You know, the police are not harassing people. That's true. Uh, there, There is evidence that the people, some of the people that are actually getting the safe supply welcome it. They're less at risk. They're, they're still with us. So that's all the kind of things you can point to. That tends to be somewhat anecdotal, too. You know, when when the advocates hear something they don't like, like diversion, they say, oh, that's just anecdotal, right? Well, it's all anecdotal at the moment because it hasn't gone long, long enough to have the persuasive data that everything is working. And again, that's a lament uh, that we see in these reports, too, that the politicians who launched this a year ago, federal and provincial, said, we're going to be really thorough about gathering data on this because we know that everybody's looking at this experiment. Well, I would have to say politicians elsewhere are not sitting there saying, you know what? Those British Columbians have got this thing figured out. We should do the same thing. Yeah. I think they're still waiting to see some results that would be persuasive. And meanwhile, Simeon, you've been reporting it this week. Oregon, which got there first, is reversing direction because the public won't stand for the fallout from all this. And I think the experiment deserves a chance, but I have to say, unless the government can find ways to contain the fallout, including open drug use, it's going to be very hard to defend this. Yep. The clock is ticking. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.